Hi, this is Peter Rivera, and I'm the original drummer and lead singer of the group Rare Earth. We've had a long career, 50 years. We've played all over the world. We've recorded many, many albums and lots of hit singles. I'm going to talk about them all. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the stories. So after talking among ourselves and talking with our manager and trying to figure out what to do for our next record. Again, we were pretty green still. We, we weren't in the habit of going in and making an album and, and, and all that. We had, didn't have a producer on the Get Ready album. We did it ourselves. But now we were going to have a producer, and Tom Baird just seemed like he was the guy, period. So we got together with him, and we started talking about songs and things like that, and, and we had our rehearsal hall, and so we went into the rehearsal hall, and we sat in a circle. You know, everyone was at his instrument, and and we we were talking back and forth, and we started up on a couple of songs, and Born to Wander was one of them, and we worked and worked and worked, and we figured out, you know, what we were all going to play in the verse uh, with Tom's help, and then the bridge was going to be something we had to work on more for hours. We would work for a long time. Let's take it again. Let's try it again. Okay, that sounds great, but if we go to this chord, you know, and it's, you know, this is how bands do it, I'm I'm sure. We weren't that different from everybody else. So we crafted this whole song that we could now all of a sudden play all the way through. Had a couple rough edges, but we knew the whole roadmap of point A to the ending point and how we were going to get there and, and the bridges would cross and the roads would turn on, you know, so we knew all that. And that's how we studied, that's how we developed each song that we did on an album. So Motown, you know, Motown was so different from, from anything we had been involved with before. You know, Motown, a Detroit company, that almost believed in making songs on the production line. Uh, as I understand, a producer would come across, oh, say, four songs that he wanted to do on, oh, say, the four tops. And so he would present these songs, and there was a committee that would say, okay, we like these songs. Here's what we call studio notes that allow you to go in the studio with the four rhythm musicians and record these tracks. So the producer would go in with those musicians and he would record the tracks. And after that, it went to committee again. And the committee would thumbs up or thumbs down on the tracks. And so once he got the approval, he now got session notes to go in the studio and, you know, whatever he was after. Was he after sweetening the tracks or did he want to try to do a lead vocal or background vocals? But with each step to making the record, it always went back to committee and for approval or disapproval. And so that production line system was what Motown thought that, 
you know, all their groups and acts and singers and everything were going to do, including us. And we were not of that school of thought. We were a group. We were a band that liked to sit in our rehearsal studio with Tom Baird and work out songs and what could we do in the songs and how can we make them different, make them ours and, and stylize them for, for ourselves. So we, we finally got a chance to go into the studio, uh, a real, now we're signed with Motown, right? We're, we're part of the company, but we're not part of the company. We're Rare Earth Records, and we are not Motown or Tamla. Well, okay, that's fine. No problem. So we went into the studio, and the night we got in the studio, we noticed that their headphones were one phone, just on one ear, right or left, doesn't matter, but one ear. And, you know, I spoke up and said, hey, what's with the one ear stuff? And it was explained to me that the sessions that took place at Motown usually had, like if they had 28 or 30 violin players, the violin players like to have one headphone on so that they could hear the other violins for their tuning and, and all that. We said, well, okay, that's cool, but we need stereo headphones for what we're doing. Well, okay, well, how are we going to do this? Well, we jimmy-rigged it up. We, we figured out how to set it up so we could get our stereo phones. And eventually, uh, we heard that Stevie Wonder tried out the stereo phones, and he loved it so much, and he had a lot of weight there at Motown. So rumor has it that he requested that the, the studio be wired for stereo phones. Anyways, they were now stereo phones. And so that was one hurdle that we got over. Uh, another hurdle was during our sessions, it was kind of fun for a lot of artists and producers and all that at Motown. Because uh, you got to remember that Motown Studio was in the building of the house that is called uh, Hitsville, West Grand Boulevard in Detroit. So people were frequenting the building all the time. and They'd come into the control room. And it was pretty distracting, uh, especially if we were doing like a lead vocal or or overdubs of some kind, and it was pretty intense in there. And all of a sudden, here's people coming in the control room. So we, after a couple of days of this, we asked our roadie, who said, look, we'd like you to sit at the door of the studio out in the hallway and don't let anybody in. Not to be rude, but we were working, and we didn't want that interference. Well, we were in Studio A, and over in Studio B, Marvin Gaye was doing some recording. <clears throat> and we would meet him in the hallway and be talking to him a little bit, and Eddie was with Marvin and, and uh, you know, just chit-chatting. And Marvin noticed our little guard there. And he kind of liked what he saw. And so the next night, or night after that, I don't know, came in and he had 
uh, a uniformed guy sitting at the door of his studio and not to, to let anybody come in and disturb his progress. So those were a couple of things that we got going there. And, you know, the artists understood, you know, about headphones and, and the guards and all that. The administrative staff did not understand that. They thought we were just kind of upsetting the apple cart. And who the hell are they to come in here and talk about they want stereo headphones and, and putting a guard at the door? Imagine that. Well, you know, there was no arguments about it, but it, you could feel that there was that kind of vibe at the company. Just, you know... Who, who are these intruders? Because Motown was a family-owned company. It was Motown Records, Tamla Records. It was, uh, uh, it was a black record company. And the promotion men and all that, the whole staff, they were all geared for the Motown experience, the sound of young America, that whole Motown thing. And it was a great thing. They were fabulously successful company and uh, who are we to tell them what to do and we never did try to tell them what to do all we tried to tell them is what we wanted to do and it wasn't really asking the world it was just kind of stylizing the room for us that's all and uh so anyways that stuff kind of settled down and so we had found tom baird our producer and we were working with him, and we were going to record with him. We didn't need notes. We had just picked the songs we were going to record. I think they might have played, Tom might have played them some kind of demo or something, just so they could have a peace of mind about it. But still, we were picking out stuff that we were going to do uh, with Tom's blessing and ours, and we were excited about doing it, so... Motown got a hold of our manager, and they were a little concerned that we were working with Tom Beard, this guy from Canada. And they suggested that maybe they wanted us to work with some of the Motown production staff who had an idea of what to do with Rare Earth. And so we kind of insisted that we were loving what we were doing with Tom, and so we proceeded. We had to stop and remember that Motown had their ways of doing things, and when we got with Tom and we started doing our album, they would kind of peek in a little bit, see kind of what we were doing. Well, for some reason, I don't know the reason, maybe it's because Tom Baird was there primarily as an arranger and someone who could write string parts and, and horn parts and things like that. He worked for lots of different producers. And Tom, they, him and a couple other guys got together once and recorded some songs as, as a group. Uh, nothing ever came of it. but So 
bringing Tom in means that we're not using the in-house producers. And there were quite a few of them. But they had all the other acts going on, the Supremes, the Temptations, the Contours, on and on and on. Four Tops Marvelettes, Mary Wells, the Supremes. So Tom, I don't think, was viewed as, uh, you know, big staff producer. But anyways, we loved what he did. And so we started out. But uh, midway through the album, we were going into the studio and on our own. And all of a sudden, Norman Whitfield showed up. So we found out later that the company had gone to Norman. Please, Norman, will you do a song on Rare Earth? They need another single. Uh, you know, that's the way it was kind of done. So there we were. and So we were fooling around with a song called Losing You. And David Ruffin from Temptations, you know, we were all good friends. And, and we loved temptation stuff especially losing you we, yeah so we were going to work on that norman came in and in his in his glory that he always was in there with he told us he said if you're going to do losing you he says you can't do it like that you got to do it like this and he started fooling around with it and getting us to fool around with it and the next thing i know we were in that studio just Recording Losing You. Norman was a taskmaster. He worked us like... <laughs> and he was going to put us away wet. I want to tell you a little side story to this. We had worked probably six, seven hours on the track of the studio. And it was, like I say, it was about 12.30, 1 o'clock. And we kind of thought, well, that's it for tonight. So a lot of the guys were, were getting ready to get out of there. And uh, <clears throat> Norman comes up to me, and he says, let's do the vocal. And I thought, do the vocal right now? You know, I don't even know what I'm doing. We haven't talked about anything. No, let's do the vocal. It would have all been great, except my brother had come to the studio about midnight, and with him was a friend who had just returned from Vietnam. And he brought back with him these uh, marijuana cigarettes called Park Lane. And the story was is that the, the wives and ladies over in Vietnam would open up th these cigarettes, Park Lane, and completely take all the tobacco out and fill them with weed and put them back in the pack, put the cellophane back, nice and neat and some of the soldiers would bring some of these cigarettes home with them and uh, so anyways uh, my brother says Pete smoke this and uh, you know it was way back we were talking 69 here 70 and I said oh, you know I, this was just before Norman came out and said let's do the vocal I said yeah okay so, boom, you know, we partook a little bit of that, and, and I was just on fire, just 
it was so so strong. It was actually uncomfortable for me because I was working. So, anyways, we're gonna walk into the studio to do the vocal, and I'm just kind of tripping, <laughs> paranoid, tripping. What am I gonna do? So we started on the song, me and Norman, me and Norman, and you know we tried it a little different here, a little different there, and all of a sudden we got something that really kind of sounded really cool. So once you get that something, you can really anchor yourself to and go, okay, hey. This sounds really cool. So now what we do is we look at the rest of the song and we say, okay, we got to keep that kind of taste, that kind of, well, I'll call it coolness. I don't know what it is, but keep within that so that it all becomes seamless, the performance. And so, and there are times really when you'll get this part of the song that you consider an anchor and you'll work, I will, work for the next couple hours trying to put things before that and after that make it all continuity to it you know and there's nights when that just doesn't happen it just for some reason you get a chunk of it you go that's it and then you can't you can't get back there you know singing songs is I mean it's not only remembering the words it's singing the notes but it's uh you have to come off like you're familiar with the song you're singing and not reading the lyrics. At least I don't. I have to know that song. So I was really nervous about doing this vocal, losing you, without preparation. Well, we started. I don't quite remember a lot about what we did, but I just went along with Norman, and he liked what I did, and we talked, and everything was going along pretty cool. The next thing I know, it's like 3.30 in the morning and I'm going, okay, there's a vocal for Losing You. And, and first of all, Losing You, the track was, it was like 45 minutes long. And the vocal was some here, some there, some here. So Norman stays in the studio. Everybody goes home except the engineer and him. And he starts working on the song, editing editing, editing, editing. And I tell you the truth, about eight, nine hours later, I got up and went right back to the studio and Norman was still in the control room. He was actually leaned over on the control room, on the board, the mixing board, asleep. He was that exhausted. Well, you know, I tell you, I learned a big lesson there working with Norman uh, that that he you know the harder you work you know what I mean the more you get and and uh, it, it's just putting in the time the time listening back changing this listen back listen back am I convinced yeah that's happening okay listen back oh wait a minute let's fix this word let's go in here so this process goes on and on and and then after we left the studio, Norman stayed up all night editing down to about a five, six-minute version. And actually, the single of Losing You was like three minutes and five seconds. Even further, more edit. On the album, we put, we, we left the long version of uh, Losing You. 
Anyway, that's kind of the story of that one. One, two, three. Well, thanks for listening. My name is Peter Rivera, original lead singer-drummer of Rare Earth, and I really appreciate that you've listened to these podcasts. I hope you come back and check out more. I've got a lot ahead of us and a lot of the story for you, so come on back and hang with me for a while. I bring you flowers, baby, cause you're the best. I'm gonna treat you so much better than all the rest. I pull the chair out for you, open and close the door. 